Data Mesh Radio is produced, hosted, and edited by me, Scott Hurlman. I created Data Mesh Radio to be a resource for data mesh practitioners the world over. This is a weekly summary episode where I share a bit about the upcoming week's episodes and give you an extended summary for any interviews or panels that will be released this week. Should help you decide what episodes you might want to spend the full time with as interview episodes and panels are typically one hour or more. In general, if you are running up against any challenges with Data Mesh, I'm here to help. I started a company around doing just that, working with lots of practitioners just to kind of get them into a better headspace and a better kind of operating model around Data Mesh. So please do get in touch if that sounds interesting. Weekly episode summaries and programming's notes for the week of April 2nd, 2023. Apologies that last week's episode didn't come out on time. The page that I updated the episode on crashed before I could save and I didn't notice. So I thought I had scheduled it. It just didn't come out on time. So won't be quite so hand to mouth going forward. So hopefully that won't be a problem ever again. Okay, so my company is officially legally formed, but you know, I still have a lot of work to do. But you know, I have to wait until you know, the legal entity was in place before I could start to do the branding stuff and all that fun stuff. So you'll see more about that coming out. But part of the business model is going to be doing a lot of roundtables. And so I'm going to start to do those roundtables before uh, the company's even started so I can kind of know exactly what people want and, and do kind of more of that start to narrow in on those. So I'm going to start to do those in mid-April. Um, get in touch if you want to be either a panelist or a listener. These will be open to kind of many, no vendors, of course, but I'm okay to consultants being especially listeners, maybe not panelists, but, you know, as long as we're kind of of the, hey, Chatham House rules, you know, this stays between all of us as well as, hey, don't try and use this to sell, right? So the broadcast won't be, it won't be broadcast or recorded. I know the data mesh learning folks as well are putting together a roundtable too. So I would say maybe talk to them as well if you're interested in, in lots of roundtables. I'll probably do a few takeaways from these, but without people's names and things like that. So we can still have some information flow. I'll, I'll let people know where these are going to go as to the, those kind of takeaways. Um, I will, the, the topics will be around, you know, role. So it could be data product managers, data platform team, data architect, line of business owners, et cetera. And there will be roundtables specific to industries like banking or insurance or life sciences and pharma, telecom. You know, a big one is kind of shipping and freight, all sorts of different things, retail, everything, right? And there will be roundtables specific to challenges like driving buy-in or how, how do we actually do this governance stuff? Um, so these are going to be a little bit like the panels, but they're a lot more of interactive and, and people can kind of uh, get their questions in and start to actually form relationships with each other instead of just being in listen mode. So these roundtables are going to be important to, again, to the future company. So I'm going to be testing these out 
I don't know how many I'm going to do. Um, you know, it could be three a week or something like that. It could be only one, but those are going to start happening in mid April. So get in touch again, if you want to be part of just listening or if you want to, uh, be a panelist, but again, these are not going to be recorded for going elsewhere. So this is the only place that you're really going to get that kind of information flow. So what's on tap for this week? On Monday, we have episode 210, Organizational Scalability in Data Mesh, which is an interview with Chris Haas from ThoughtWorks. This is an episode where we focused on how do we actually scale the organizational aspects of Data Mesh? How can you get going and then keep going as you learn how you actually will implement Data Mesh in your organization? Because it's going to be different for every organization. So how do you kind of get to specifics? How do you keep people on task? How do you really get people all on the same page? And then how do you kind of adjust as you learn more? How do you adjust specific to the individual domain? We start to dig into those, you know, it's obviously not a complete primer on all aspects, but I think you'll get a lot of, out of it. So there's, you know, lots and tips and tricks and useful perspective from multiple implementations that ThoughtWorks been working on. And on Friday, we have episode 211. So this is another one on buy-in, flipping the script on working with your first domain, part one, Mesh Musings 46. And yes, that's a huge thing. But the whole point of this is people are really, really asking me a lot about the buy-in question. And so I'm wanting to do one about working with your first domain, and then I'll probably do one about working with additional domains. But like, how do you find that that first one? So um, it's this one is is broken into uh, three and three of three things to potentially avoid or look to avoid if you can, and three things to lean in on if you can when working with your first domain around driving buy-in. So what are the things you need to avoid? Number one, everyone, you know, kind of quote unquote, everyone else in this organization wants your data. So give it to us. That's a really bad pattern of like, hey, we need your information. So you're going to have to do a bunch of this extra work. Number two, not knowing who is actually going to fund this, not having a clear picture on how funding would work and what's the return and, and what are you trying to do? And number three of, of the things to avoid is again, okay, great, but that's more work I can't take on. Like, how do we work with teams to reshape their priorities and that we do that not at their own priority level, but that we do that kind of at the exec sponsor level so that we know that that can actually happen and that the teams are going to be rewarded for doing this right. So what are some things to look, lean into? These are just three that I've got more in the next episode, but like, if you can find your initial use case that is self-contained in the domain, you're going into the domain and going, hey, we're going to significantly up your data capabilities and we're going to deliver on something that's really, really valuable to your single domain. This is easier in larger organizations. This is a harder sell in kind of smaller ones because there's probably not this massive, massive use case that nobody's really, or massive value, but easy to <laughs> implement use case, right? The second one, Enabling them to move at the speed of, of their business instead of having to wait on the centralized team for any data work. If we give them the capability to handle their own data work, they can react, they can do smaller scale tests, they can do all of these things, they can iterate much quicker, they can actually react to the market. And then number three that I'll cover in this specific episode, again, I've got multiple more for, for the next, but you know, find something that is easy enough with enough return to pay for itself, but also invest in the 
other aspects that you'll have to do for data mesh, right? Where it's not just, hey, this thing is going to have just enough return. Try to find those use cases that are really going to be something that potentially even is the first iteration of unlocking significant amount of value. So you can pay for kind of those learnings as that domain really gets up to speed. So again, there's going to be much more in the episode. Um, But with that, let's go ahead and jump to the extended summary for the interview with Chris. Extended summary for episode 210, Organizational Scalability in Data Mesh, an interview with Chris Haas. In this episode, I interviewed Chris, who's an advisory consultant at ThoughtWorks. To be clear, though, he was only representing his own views on the episode. Chris started out with a rather blunt but crucial statement. When thinking about Data Mesh, you have to identify at least one domain that will actually take ownership of their data. A successful data mesh implementation, especially early, can't be entirely IT-driven. And domain data ownership and coupling that with data as a product are typically very much not the natural order for most large organizations. You will need to invest into domains to make them capable of owning their data. But showing them that you will invest in their success can help win them over. So you do want to make sure it will be money, resources, and time well spent by finding ones that are actually bought into doing this, right? For Chris, it's very important for there to be at least a domain-wide understanding and hopefully buy-in too, of course, for what the domain is trying to do around data. That can be about data mesh or simply how they are changing their relationship to data. It won't work well to do data mesh from just upper management buy-in and pushing that down as a mandate, you know, that kind of data mesh by decree. And that requirement can lead to deciding that data mesh isn't right for a domain, and that is perfectly okay and reasonable. Not every data management challenge is a nail for a data mesh hammer. Lean value trees are an important tool for Chris and team when speaking with a domain about data mesh. What are they typically trying to achieve, you know, the mission, and work backwards from there. Break down the goals, then figure out the assumptions or bet around those goals. This helps you stay focused on what you are trying to achieve. Is it to deliver a data product, or is it to address the use case and create business value? I did drop a uh, link that I found kind of useful around learning about lean value trees as well in the show notes. So the output of uh, lean value tree uh, helps align the team on a mission or missions which align to the business goals. Then when thinking about use case prioritization, you need to balance those business goals, the amount of expected value of a use case and the expected amount of work to deliver that use case. Scott note here, It is kind of included in the amount of work and the expected value, but I'd also factor in risk. What is the risk of this use case not being valuable? And what is the risk of the team not being able to execute well on the specific use case? Probably don't take a big gamble on your first use case around data mesh, right? 
At the start of a journey, Chris recommends to find a use case that benefits the producing domain, if at all possible. Yes, we want domains to publish data to benefit the entire organization, but if a domain is going to be the test subject and invest their money, their people's time, their people's cognitive load, it will be hard to find a domain willing to do that for another domain without decently strong incentivization. And at the start of your journey, those incentivization and community mechanisms are likely hard to come by. If you don't have these challenges and domains are all happy to help each other, consider yourself very lucky. But think about where there's friction in trying to push this through. And if people really aren't aligned and aren't bought in, is this probably going to go well? There's there's a lot of challenges there. And I know a lot of you are, are having difficulty with buy-in out there. So I empathize, but it's something to really think about. Based on interactions with a number of clients and prospects, many organizations would rather focus on the technical aspects of data mesh first over the organizational. And Chris, as many other people have said on this podcast, wishes that weren't true. While building out the technical aspects is no easy task, it is important to data mesh. If you aren't ready to actually do the day-to-day work, the organizational process change, what are you building the tech to actually support? You know, Scott note here, this is extremely common and it's also, you know, a common comment from consultants, as I said. The tech feels more tangible and it's easier to say kind of yes, no, and make feel like you're making progress than kind of squishy operating model decisions and trying to drive buy-in. But those are really crucial to doing data mesh right. You can't just put out the tech. It's not going to work. I can pretty well guarantee that. Please don't do that. So Chris believes an early data mesh alignment on the organizational model doesn't have to be and shouldn't be disruptive. You can have a domain start to carve out new ways of working in kind of a little pocket without doing a major reorganization. There should be a team building the platform and a product owner for the platform, but four to five people building that is reasonable. And they can live in that central data team just in kind of a little pocket. That's a normal pattern, right? For the platform side, that's no reorg needed. As for the data product team, you want them to be part of the domain if possible. And it should be a mix of kind of highly data fluent people and domain subject matter experts. But again, it can be a small team. So a small team, you know, carve out, but not realigning the entire domain. Scott note here, remember domain is an overloaded term. Some domains are subdomains, you know, JGP at PayPal was talking about, you know, three to five people, that two pizza team thing is as a domain. But typically when, you know, I'm saying domain and when most people do, they, we mean the line of business, which, you know, at uh, some of the clients that ThoughtWorks is working at can be 10,000 plus people, right? So small team within that of four to five people isn't a big deal. When you're talking a small team of four to five people out of a team of three to five people, that means something slightly different, but it's important to kind of keep that context in your mind. 
for Chris, when asked about data product teams, he said you should look to have them be long-standing teams. You need an owner per data product, yes, but often the development teams will be charged with creating multiple data products over time rather than only the one intending in to that, right? Especially as you build knowledge of how to build good data products, that team can be more efficient in creating new uh, good incremental data products. But do not treat your data products like projects. They should be managed and evolved by longstanding teams. Otherwise, they are more likely to fall into data disrepair. Once you've proven value from, uh, from and a capability to do data mesh, a typical pattern is to set up a transformation office that will assist other domains in their journey, according to Chris. That way you can maintain coordination, find reusable patterns you know, across tech and architecture and people, process, all of those types of patterns. You, know, you can also, with that centralized uh, transformation office, prioritize, upskill, all sorts of different things, right? That office is helpful in getting teams up to speed, but also setting expectations. Domains won't magically transform their data capabilities overnight. And you can look to build an internal community function to encourage cross-domain communication and hopefully collaboration. For Chris, that community aspect is really crucial to identifying cross-domain use cases. The data product owners should be communicating with each other to discuss what they've created in case that sparks new ideas for new use cases. For finding what data products you need to support a use case, Chris said, you know, start from the, the mission, then Think about the consumer-aligned data product that would best serve that mission. Once you know what you'd want to have as kind of the end product and kind of what you're trying to achieve, you can start to find the necessary source-aligned data products as well. Chris wrapped up with a few useful tidbits. Don't worry about trying to serve future unknown use cases with data products you are building now. Build for reuse and build for evolution and then evolve when those new use cases emerge when they come to you. Source-aligned data products should be, or at least start out, quote-unquote, very specific and very small. Don't try to cram too much in. So Scott, note here, I, I do, this is something that I don't have a good answer on because if you have just a bunch of, of very small data products, discoverability is probably going to be an issue, right? But this is also a pattern I am seeing more. You know, Carlos Saona really laid out why he thinks this is the right pattern in episode 150 and how an implementation like of this looks, right? So I don't know how big your data products should be. I keep getting different answers from people. I've tried to drill into this, but I think it's an interesting question. I think it's something you want to ask yourselves and say, you know, how much burden do we want to put on the data product owners and how, but also how much burden do we want to put on people that are kind of looking to find data products they'd like to consume from? Hopefully that sounds like some awesome episodes for the week. As a reminder, feel free to get in touch if I might be useful in your data mesh journey. I'm helping quite a few organizations and introducing people to each other, plus doing some roundtables. I hope you have a great rest of your day and your week. Now on to that fun, funky little outro music. Mm -hmm.